It's recording. Cool. I haven't done this in so Dude, long. It feels it, weird. It feels like it's been so long. <laughs> well, it's been like four weeks or something, right? And like in quarantine time, <laughs> that's like four months. Or four days. Yeah. One of either the two. Or. <laughs> Worst of both worlds. Great. Quarantine's the boss. Mm-hmm. Starting this episode out on a real positive note. hey <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because we don't want to cry. Anyway, you want to introduce us? Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Big. And I am White. <laughs> and together, we're Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. Here we are, still in Asia. Still in Asia, What's baby. up, you guys? <laughs> Lockdown, what day is it? Day 47. 40 freaking 7. That's almost seven weeks. That's crazy. It's sneaky, isn't it? It is sneaky. It like it feels so long, but also just suddenly how did all yeah. that time pass? It's really like confusing. I remember when we were like two weeks in and we were like, wow, we've been here for two weeks. That's really crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh, it? day 15. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now we're like, oh, 50. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that seems right. It seems like all of humanity has the same internal timeline of like, <laughs> we can panic for a certain amount of time and then we can like be mad for a certain amount of time and then now it's like we're all just kind of like finding this new normal of like well we're gonna open up some stores (laughs) and we're gonna walk outside and if you try to arrest us sorry (laughs) but it's like it seems like from the news that I'm reading internationally that it's all kind of happening at the same time. <laughs> it's like we all have this internal clock that we're just like, and now it's time to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was weird. Yesterday I went out and walked around in the morning and in the evening and there was lots of people mm-hmm. out and lots of shops that aren't food shops were open and I saw a few cops, but they were mostly letting people go. There was yeah. cars driving and motorcycles going and... Yeah, I mean, we're still on lockdown, but it definitely seems to be getting a little bit looser. Yeah, like they're not really enforcing it as strongly as they were in the beginning, at least our part of town. Well, it seems to come in waves, though. Like, mm. remember it was really strict and then it loosened up and then it got strict again? Yeah. But yeah. but they said the last time that they, so they extended our lockdown again to, for mid-May this time. And they were like, "It's t- we need to crack down again. And we were like, oh, no, they're going to crack down. And they, they didn't. So far, mm-hmm. yeah. But let's see. Yeah. We don't know anything. That's what this experience has taught us. I feel like that's my constant refrain. Like, we'll see. Yep. We'll see. Like, we'll see. We posit a statement and then we're like, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Okay. And I may have mentioned this before, but I just, in order to function and survive, I've just completely shut off the part of my brain that plans things. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think it's the only way I can do it because normally I'm always looking forward to different things, but it's like the disappointments are too hard on me. Mm. So like White was looking at Airbnb like, oh, look at this cool tropical place we could go. Like, wouldn't that be a fun vacation? And I was just like, no, don't show me. I can't. (laughs) It just, for her, it's encouraging to think of things you could be doing in the future. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just like, I don't want to open myself up to that disappointment, I guess. Yeah, I'm like 
pretending I'm on a beach holiday right now. <laughs> she is. She's wearing like a flowy skirt. She had an afternoon glass of white wine, chilled and like sitting on the porch and drinking it and reading her book. <laughs> yep. A murder mystery mm. about a seaside hotel. Ooh, is it? Yeah. Nice. It's Agatha Christie. And yeah, it's set in Devonshire, mm. where I was last summer. South Devon, but still, it's the same. See, this is like... <sighs> I'm really glad that I'm reading a sci-fi book that's set, like, mostly not on Earth. Because <laughs> then I don't have any FOMO at all. I'm just like, hmm, that's a planet I've never heard of. Cool, what's oh, happening man. next? <laughs> We're all coping in different ways, but... Yes, we are. Um, We forgot to do the thing where we talk about what our episode's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you guys, welcome to the episode. Uh, We have a guest this time. Yay! It's so exciting. We haven't had a guest in a long time. Um, And it's a man. (laughs) So, you can tell his voice apart from ours. (laughs) Yeah, his name is Makah, and he is from Central America. So, we get into some cool talk about how it feels to be bilingual and his experience moving to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and adjusting to that culture and then moving back to Honduras and then adjusting back and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's a good one. Listen on. Yeah. And you'll hear it. But first. Back to us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How was your week, right? I mean, I'm still doing pretty well. I have I have a lot of structure in my days mm. right now, which is really helpful because otherwise I just kind of turn into like, I don't know, blob of skin. You know how you do. Whole <laughs> <Old> skin <laughs> oh, blob. Netflix watching blob of skin. Um, <laughs> but that is not me. No, no. Because, I mean, we're both still working. So we're working from home and I'm spending all of my time that I'm not working, studying for the personal training exam that I'll take next month. So it's really been pretty awesome for me because I have more free time now to not worry about like, oh, but if I stay home and study, then I won't be able to go and hang out with my friends to this cool event. And now I'm like, ain't nobody doing nothing. I might as well study. So, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of ideal for me in that regard, at least. You're just getting like really focused productivity yeah. time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I talk to myself a lot, yes. like especially when I study. We do. So it's And it's not, no, 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 listen, guys. It's not just talking to yourself like whispery, mumbly talking. She just talks at full normal human conversational volume all the time. <laughs> I never know yeah. if she's talking to me or not. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Anyway, um, so all in all, I'm doing pretty well. I'm looking for the small accomplishments. I drank white wine today and pretended that I'm on a beach holiday and everything is okay. Sounds great. Yeah. How about you? Wow. I had a very exciting weekend yeah. last weekend because it was my birthday. Woo! And when I first realized that lockdown was going to get extended past my birthday, I was pretty disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Devastated, I think was the word. Well, um, let's put it in this context. Last year, my birthday was spent entirely in the Seattle airport. So this year I was extra excited to be with all my friends in Nepal and celebrate. And I'm getting sad just thinking about it. <laughs> no, 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 
no, no, no. Go back to why it was a good thing this you're right, weekend. You're right, you're right. Okay. But actually, it turned out to be amazing, and I felt so loved by my dear friends, including you, White. But yeah, my birthday was on a Friday, so I took the day off, and we did some stuff, and then on Saturday, we had a brunch, <laughs> and then like a drinking party, and then on Sunday, we just laid around all day and watched Netflix, so it was like three days long of a birthday, yeah. which was perfect, because yeah. I turned 33, so triple three. Triple three. I think we were like, we were had all of these other events, too, or like activities that we wanted to do, and then it kept going on for so long, that <laughs> by the end of the weekend, we were like, I'm exhausted. Do you want to not do any of that and just watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine for six hours? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much what yeah. we did. <laughs> it was great, though. It was really fun, and I mean, only got to get together physically with a couple people, but I Skyped with some people, and I relaxed. And my friend made me the best gift, which was she reached out to a bunch of my friends around the world and had them make me little like, hello, silly, happy birthday videos and cut them all together. (laughs) And I almost cried and it was so nice. Yeah. And that was my week. Some good people. Yeah. Happy, happy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, (laughs) shall we get to our guest? Yeah. Take it away, past big and white. Let's welcome our guest, Maka, right? Right. <laughs> That's a good entrance. <laughs> I'm really secure in this, <laughs> So uh, welcome, Maka. Hello. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, it's an honor. It's a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my gosh. Of course. We're so excited to talk to you. Um, Before we really get into it, do you want to explain to our listeners why your name is Maka? Yeah, so I'm from a Central American part of the world, and we have a lot of birds, and one of those birds is the macaw, Mm. and it's a beautiful red bird with wide wings and colorful. And are you also colorful or something? Is there like some (laughs) connection? (laughs) Is this like a deep metaphor? I'm a seven in the Enneagram, so that's a thing. Oh, me too! What? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> seven wing eight amazing it's the best one obviously <laughs> give me a break <laughs> white i yeah mm, i yep, forgot that's your me. name <laughs> that's me white is a three so together we are insane yes mm-hmm. a little overwhelming over here so all three of us together will just take on the entire world i love it i love it okay let's start off we want to just give our listeners a good picture right away of who you are, why you're on the podcast. So first off, where are you in the world? All right. I'm in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Sweet. This is such a global podcast. I'm just loving this right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So do you want to give maybe just a short version of your story, your entire life story? (laughs) Um, Where did you grow up? Maybe... How did we meet? How did we come to know you, Macaw? Yeah, what you're doing now, all that good stuff. Oh my gosh, there's so much. It's 26 years of history. <laughs> <laughs> well, give okay. us a short overview and then later we'll delve deeper. Okay, okay. The short overview is I grew up in Honduras. I was uh, born in the capital and then my parents got divorced. So I moved to the coast with my mom. So I was in the coast in the beach for about seven years. Ooh. It's called La Ceiba. 
And then I moved back to the capital, went to high school, and then I, you know, took a plane <laughs> and flew over. You guys can't see, but his hand is making a plane, <laughs> like showing us how the plane flew. <laughs> then, you know, I, in 2011, I flew over to the, of all places, Conway, Arkansas Woo! for college. That's wild to me. And, uh, <laughs> And that's where I met, you know, Fabulous White <laughs> at uh, at college. And I think we met at the dorm where we used to live. Yeah, we were such babies. That is such <laughs> a weird thought. I mean, it's been... Like nine years. Nine, nine, nine or ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. The funny thing is, I feel like when you're that age, when you're like 18, you think you're an adult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're like, yeah, I got this. And then you look back and you're like, whoa, I was I was not ready yet. <laughs> and at our college, we went to University of Central Arkansas in Conway, Arkansas. And like in that college, I don't know how many other universities do this, but like all of the dorms have specific, um, what's the word, like demographics. Mm. So our dorm was state and it was basically international and stoners yep (laughs) that was it (laughs) wow ours was divided by major we had like engineering dorm the agriculture dorm the business dorm (laughs) you guys had the stoner dorm well we didn't because well yeah we were like i didn't realize because i signed up i really wanted to be in state it was like oh it's gonna be international and like I was political science, international studies, so it made sense. But then we actually lived there and we were like, oh, (laughs) it was like all the leftovers kind of. (laughs) Well, I wasn't cultured enough to know, you know, there was stoners or however we called them white. (laughs) But um, I was just happy to be, you know, in the U.S. for college and it was Everything was just brand new for me. Even though I'd gone to the U.S. like several, several times, Mm -hmm. but never to Arkansas. Just like (laughs) New York and Miami and those cities, you know. So Arkansas was definitely... A bit different from... I didn't know what to expect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I definitely want to ask you more about that. But before that, what have you been doing since college? Oh, man, that's also a, a story with many turns. So after college... I went to do this program code downline in Memphis, which is like you work like, you know, full time or half time, whatever you find. And you also go to this like Bible Institute for about nine months. And so, you know, I worked with a company called Booster and we would do like school fundraising and we would help, you know, schools raise money for whatever they needed. So I did that for a year and then I ended up staying for an extra year in Memphis working for my church. And then I decided to get an MBA. Mm. And so I got an MBA in Memphis. And um, then I moved back to Honduras in September of 2019. So in a nutshell, that's like the last four years. (laughs) Okay. So you just moved back. Yeah. Yeah. Just moved back. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to make a big assumption about you right now and say that you probably speak multiple languages. Is that true? (laughs) No. What are you talking about? Yes. (laughs) I speak Spanish and English. Okay. And how did you learn each of those languages? Yeah. So good question. So I grew up in Honduras, a Spanish speaking country. And um, I went to a bilingual school since I was like three or four years old. So I've been, you know, listening to English and learning English since I was like three or four years old. Like even before kindergarten, I was learning stuff in English. So interesting. They kind of both grew in a tandem. 
uh, English and Spanish. But then, you know, you know, most of the culture in like movies and books, and like just a lot of the culture and media is mostly in English. And so, you know, or it's, I mean, it's too in Spanish, but, you know, I grew up reading mostly like English, I don't know, comics or, you know, like I was talking to a friend about this and he was like, man, we grew up, you know, watching Disney Channel <laughs> and, and, you know, in Spanish and in English, both, you know. That's so interesting. And so it's like, yeah, so they both just developed. But then I, when I went to the U.S., I mean, English just took over because I hung out with a lot of white people. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> white people. What? Lots of white people in Arkansas. That's unexpected. <laughs> You know, I was uh, telling White something, I don't remember what, and I was like, oh, you know, well, I didn't know if, like, it was, like, black people that you were friends with or whatever. And she's like, big, we only have white people where I grew up. I was like, oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know if you know this, Macaw, but I grew up in L.A., so I grew up around many Latin people and... <laughs> Also, many people from all over the world. It was pretty fun. I enjoyed that. But did you grow up, like, spend how many years in L.A.? Um, That's one thing. I was 18 I when I moved away from L.A., so... Oh, wow, so, yeah, long time. But, yeah, I actually... I almost am afraid to tell you this, but I was fluent in Spanish at one point. <laughs> I can hardly speak anything now. <laughs> we can have a part of the podcast in Spanish. No, like, I... When I'm in California, I can speak Spanish. When I'm in Nepal... I can't do it. It's my brain's just like, nope, not yeah. not now. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like so contextual. Yep. Yeah, you can like start off the sentence in Spanish, and then it'll just turn into Nepali, and you won't even realize it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy. I, yeah, I don't. It's wild, like how your brain differentiates those things. Yeah. But okay, so you basically grew up speaking both English and Spanish. Did your parents speak English at all? So my mom knew some English, you know, to the point that I think one time, like this government entity, like hired her to give to teach English classes. But she, she knew some. And then my dad knows some too, but they didn't know much like growing up, like I was definitely, you know, they always asked me, like, what did this mean? You know, or when we traveled, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I never realized that. But when you're traveling to all these places, you know, I can read everything at the airport, or right. I can read everything at Disney World or whatever. But, you know, my family was, like, yeah. having clues of, like, what was going on. And I didn't, as a kid, you don't realize this. You just don't think about it, you know. <laughs> right, like, right. you assume that they know yeah. and they just ask you. <laughs> yeah, that is such an interesting dynamic of, like, when, I mean, you're a kid, so you're not supposed to know as much about the world as your parents, like, typically. But then you can understand a lot of stuff that they can't. Right. I wonder what that's like as a parent, too, like, asking your 10-year-old to translate stuff for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wish I would, you know, looking back, I wish I could have known, like, oh, this ad says, if you buy me a Burger King, I'll be stronger. <laughs> <laughs> you could have definitely leveraged that. Yeah. You missed out. <laughs> Too late now. That's oh, hilarious. Man. Oh, my gosh. So do you feel like you speak one language better than the other? Or are they kind of, like, equal for you? Man, good question, Big. So, I mean... I would definitely say that my English is way more developed, at least professionally speaking, than my Spanish. Right. Because I became like a young adult. Well, in like college as well, you know, you you write a lot of papers. Right. And you got your MBA in it. And right. Right. Yeah. And so like definitely at communicating at a higher level, my English is way more advanced than my Spanish. So I'm trying to get my Spanish up to par by, you know, reading, listening to podcasts. And then I was talking about this with my linguist friend in North Carolina. 
And uh, yeah, there's like, you know, he suggested getting along or spending time with people in my same educational level so that, you know, I could grow in that domain specific knowledge of, you know, highly advanced negotiations or having, you know, tough conversations and Spanish because I may know them in English. I may know the words translated into Spanish as well. But you have to deliver it in a certain way because, you know, you don't something may not translate appropriately and that may just create a miscommunication. Right. It's so cultural, right? Like it's not just that, you know, the words, it's, you know, all the nuances, especially in business, I'm sure, of like negotiating and reading the room and all that <laughs> stuff. Like it's not just like a formula X word in English is X word in Spanish or whatever. Right. And I imagine, so like for us in Nepal, we can make mistakes in Nepali and believe me, we do, but (laughs) no one thinks badly of us or expects us to speak perfect Nepali because they look at us and they're like, well, obviously you're foreigners. We expect absolutely nothing of you. (laughs) And so they're very forgiving of us because of that. Um, But I would imagine that for you, since you're in your hometown, And people would expect you to be able to be very eloquent with speaking and know exactly, you know, like this is your home culture. So I would imagine that it would be really difficult. Like people wouldn't be as forgiving for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with the parents, not going to name which parent, but especially with the parent. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, my little brother knows uh, English and most of my friends know English. So you know, with them, I can just, you know, say the word in English or whatever, and they can help me out translate right away or Mm -hmm. just be able to communicate with them directly in English. And they just know what I'm saying. And so it's, it's, it works. So, you know, just trying to mostly avoid miscommunications because it definitely happens if you don't know how to appropriately express yourself with the right words. That's so funny though, that like when you were little, your parents relied on you for your English and now you're relying on your little brother for Spanish (laughs) to communicate with your parents. Yeah. (laughs) What a family. (laughs) So complex. That's cool though, that that a lot of your friends also speak English. Cause I feel like then you have like, I don't know, you have like more domains or more resources to talk about stuff with them. Like, it's not like, okay, these friends speak Spanish. Like I have two categories, Spanish and English. You have like a third category where it's both Spanish and English together. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like a different thing. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. That's pretty cool, actually, even Um, if it's difficult. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, complex. But do you feel like, um, I don't know, I've heard some people say that when they speak different languages, they kind of feel like a different person or like their personality is different or something. Do you feel like that? So, okay. Short answer, (laughs) possibly. Possibly. (laughs) Longer answer, I was with a friend. And he's a he's a he's a bilingual guy. And he was like, well, you know, man, I don't know where he got this info from. But he was like, it's been co- scientifically confirmed that, you know, you are a different person in a different language. You have a different personality. And he told me that like four months ago. And I'm still thinking about that. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, and I just all this thoughts come to mind about having different personalities and the multiple personality disorder. And I would definitely say. I will definitely say that um, I, I I feel, you know, as an Enneagram language or whatever in seven, I definitely feel a little bit more, this is going to be a little bit odd, but more courageous and like outgoing. Mm. Well, not, not not outgoing, but more definitely more courageous and like not scared of asking questions in English than in mm-hmm. Spanish. Mm. Oh. 
So I, I would definitely say like, I definitely feel like that because I mean, I'm always, I'm always the guy who asks the questions just because, you know, I have a question. I don't care if it's silly. Yeah, I have a question. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I feel definitely more um, easier for me to ask in English than in Spanish. Why do you think that is? Like, do you think that's related to when you moved to the U.S. and when you started using English more or just like the directness of American culture or? Well, um, man, this is going to get maybe get psychologically deep here. <laughs> uh, Big I, and wide, you're a personal psychologist. <laughs> Go ahead. Definitely didn't expect this turn at all, for sure. <laughs> I think it, 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 it refers to, you know, I grew up learning English in the classroom. And so if you mm. want to learn, you got to oh, ask questions. And so, right. you know, in the classroom, you can ask questions freely. And, you know, that was like all like from first grade, second grade, you know, all I'm, just to know how much English I had in my daily life, like all of my classes were in English, but Spanish, like mm -hmm. chemistry, reading, like everything was in English, but Spanish and then Honduran history, of course, yeah. and then like social studies in, in Spanish. But uh, so I guess like, you know, you are allowed to ask questions, but then like in Spanish, you ask questions like mostly on your home setting, like when you're at home and Maybe when you are just like not in a learning inducive atmosphere mm -hmm. where you like maybe you're supposed to know things. Right. And so maybe yeah. maybe that's why. Oh, that's so interesting. So when you moved to the US, was that like a really difficult transition for you? <laughs> so just keep driving deeper and yes, deeper. Go deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I don't it wasn't. Uh, because I, you know, I'd grown up going to the U.S., but again, you know, New York, Miami, big cities, but, um, <laughs> not Arkansas. But <laughs> Stop hating on Arkansas. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying we can hate on it's Arkansas. not Miami. <laughs> no, Conway is like a population of like 50,000, maybe no, no public like transit. It's yeah. bad. Mm -hmm. We have 200,000 roundabouts. Oh, yes. There is one roundabout for every person that lives in Conway. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Uh, we love our roundabouts. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I will say that I moved at the time when like technolo technology was starting to be developed. So like there wasn't a WhatsApp when I moved. And I remember getting to Arkansas and like emailing my family. Mm. Like I made it safely. Because yeah. <laughs> like... You could do a call, but then it would be like too costly. And then I got in like at 11 p.m. on like on a Friday night. And of course, nobody had a phone to let me, you know, <laughs> come home. Oh my gosh. And so this was like just at the dawn of like before WhatsApp, Viber, like all these applications started coming in. So, right. so that made me, I don't know if that forced me even more to like re rely more on the people there, uh, you know, to be able to talk to and, mm. and, just converse, mm -hmm. you know, being, so being a seven, definitely being outgoing, that wasn't a problem. But yeah, so maybe that also like prevented my Spanish from being like further developed because I got used to not speaking to my family yet, but the time like WhatsApp and all these apps came along, mm. it just be like occasional check-ins instead of like, like now my little brother, you know, he left to the US and like, he can just call my dad via WhatsApp, right. like, so you know, and still have that strong connection. But when I left, we had no WhatsApp. Yeah, right. you know? It probably helped you, though, actually, like make the cultural transition mm -hmm. to be like so immersed and not oh, yeah. be trying to like live in two different worlds, you know. And that's why I love State Hall. I loved it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we also had a cool foosball table. That was so fun. That is so true. That's like the last <laughs> time I ever played foosball was 
there my freshman year <laughs> with macaw you guys together that's amazing <laughs> that was a fun place to live yeah it was yeah it was super fun i feel like that would be such a great time to make a cultural transition is because mm-hmm. like everyone's new together anyway right everyone's moving to a new place and everyone's like interested in making friends and when you're that age i think you're like excited to learn about the world and stuff so it's probably a lot easier to make that kind of transition than say like if you tried to move to the U.S. you know after college and you move yeah. to a city like how do you make friends whatever you kind of had an automatic community being in a dorm right mm-hmm. yeah I, I was shocked though but definitely not as much as my roommate when there was like guys and girls in the same building <laughs> like I didn't know there was guys and girls in the same building until like a girl came out of the other side and I'm like huh <laughs> And then I just, you know, I just let it, let it, let it go. But then my roommate, you know, he comes in straight out from Korea with his like, his like mohawk hair. Oh it's very gosh. cool looking. And with like purple, purple luggage. Oh my God. And I see him and then we just connect, you know, we connect. But then like, I tell him something about something. And like, I think I mentioned there was a girl on the other side or something. And he was like, whoa, there's girls here. <laughs> And he was even more shocked because I think, you know, South Korea apparently is a lot more conservative than Honduras. And he was just shocked that there's, you know, even though we were divided, there were still like guys and girls in the same building. building. Like the door is locked after a certain time, but like all you needed was somebody to let you in. Yeah. So. But again, this is like, see, this is different perspectives because, I mean, I think, you know, like I never dreamed about going to the girl's side. And I'm just like, (laughs) you know. Why it's like you just need someone to let you in. <laughs> You're all obedient. Right. Now that I'm older, I I can see how probably like a US guy would have been like, hey, can you just let me in? And like be let in. But I've, you know, as a straight out of Honduras, I would have I never Wouldn't even you know, asked. Yeah. yeah. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Um, so you lived in the US for what was it, nine years? So 2011 to Anyway, 2019, eight years. Yep. Yeah, eight years. Yeah, we can do years. math here at Big and White. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Anyway, so in after eight years in the U.S., first of all, did you go back and visit your family? Yes, uh, not in winter break, but in mm-hmm. summer break, okay. I would go back and actually come back, and um, I would meet up with friends and see family here for the summer for a few weeks in the summer. Yeah. Nice. So in those months in between, like your visits. What did you miss about Honduras? Um, I mean, the food. Definitely yeah. the food. Yeah. There's there's this thing called, oh my gosh, the anafre. It's like this thing that has refried beans in the middle. And Ooh. it's being constantly heated up by real like uh, coal underneath <gasps> it. And so it's like the food is here. It's, it's being sizzled. The beans and the cheese. Yeah. And you just dip a tortilla into it. And it's Ooh. like... It's, it's like, like it's, fondue, it's like, but with beans. That sounds amazing. Yes, and cheese. <laughs> oh and like God. white cheese. Um, You're making me hungry. <laughs> we miss Honduras too. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, I've had that so many times. I do. I will say living in Asia, there's no, they don't understand yeah. the Latin food. They just no. can't. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, guys. You guys are missing out. Got to come back. Come come be here. Can come, we come visit. visit? Come yes, visit. definitely. Yeah. When all of this uh, world shutdown is over, I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That's anyway, we've gotten off on a tangent about food, and now I can't remember <laughs> what know we were how talking to bring about. It back. <laughs> was there anything besides food? Like, did you feel like, I don't know, maybe culturally there were some things either that you liked better about the U.S. or that you kind of missed, like, oh, in Honduras, we have a more communal culture, and I miss that or something. Right. Um, so, you know, being in college, you definitely have, at least I had a lot of community in college. Mm, so I definitely yeah. never kind of missed that because, you know, I mean, white was like one of the many, many circle friends that I had, uh, you know, cause you know, you lived in the dorms and you meet friends and you mm-hmm. go out and do life together. Right. So yeah. when I would come down to Honduras, I will say I did start to miss the communal aspect when I became a young adult in Memphis, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you start working or going to a nine to five or something, you know, and that's when you definitely start to feel like I definitely miss Honduras. Like I miss being around family because, you know, my my aunt lives like around the block from me Mm. and then my grandma lives like six blocks away That's so cool. and so they you always have that support so when you're when i was a young adult in memphis like you definitely feel like um you know you have your friends but then you know you gotta schedule like times to meet mm-hmm. or to go out for runs or stuff so the communal aspect in like the warm culture definitely i started to miss it when i became a young adult mm-hmm. for sure did you live by yourself in memphis no i lived with uh two other guys okay. yeah but that we were works. like it was very it was uh African-American, a white guy and me. Nice. <laughs> so we had different ways of communicating love and right. and trust and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a TV show with <laughs> that cast. <laughs> yeah. So that's what definitely, you know, that's one of the aspects. I mean, the American culture very much, maybe a little bit less the Southern culture, but like American culture in general, right? definitely prides individualism Mm. and you know like i can do this myself you know like i like having friends but i don't need friends i can (laughs) you know make my own career and yeah which is very different than here because you know you you hang out with your friends but even like it's just a different stage of life Mm. i would say too yeah for sure yeah i mean i would say i think a lot of my friends that have only ever lived in the U.S. have the same experience of like college was great community, and then after, then you're lonely. You know? Yeah. So part of it's just like the way that society is structured and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Okay, here's uh, my big important question for you: <laughs> Why did you move back to Honduras, and is it because you miss the vegetable sellers on the street? <laughs> shout out the name of the veggies. Oh my gosh, white and big, big and white, big, big. <laughs> okay, there's this is, I, I wish I gotta find it. There's this video of because of the COVID 19 quarantine, you know, everybody's been transitioning to online Zoom classes. Mm-hmm. And this one person in Honduras, like in their Zoom class, what they had is they had, they had a recording of. Here come the vegetables, the vegetables in Spanish, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they would play in the classroom. <laughs> and then the professor was like, that's the third time that thing plays. Like, that's a recording. They only pass oh. once. And then they leave. <laughs> that's so funny. This is the third time. So I definitely, no, no, I did not miss it. I don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> For some context, you guys, when we were going to record with Macaw, White told me, oh, yeah, he listened to one of our episodes where I imitate the Nepali veggie sellers. Like, <laughs> and he was like, oh, my gosh, we have the exact same thing in Honduras. <laughs> so yes. good. Yes. And so that noise is actually a bit of an issue because 
right behind my house, there's a there's a little elementary school. So from 6 a.m. to noon, there's like straight up noise. Like, did you see the movie Bird Box? It's just like little kids' voices <laughs> going all the time. And then in the front, there's a new like security gate that they put like maybe like four or five years ago that wasn't there before because this house has been here like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And because of that gate, like a lot of people honk. Oh. So I have to go to the, talk to the council guy and be like, yo, you guys need to stop honking because <laughs> I cannot sleep. Oh, no. Jeez. Is everything really quiet there now? Here, it's like so quiet. Yes, it definitely has decreased. All we can hear is birds. <laughs> yes, it's a lot more quiet now. Everybody that's, you know, in their houses. You make it sound like it's actually quiet here when you're like, all we hear is birds. And the birds we hear are like <laughs> insane. That's true. <laughs> They're very loud. <laughs> it's not actually that quiet, but. <laughs> Do you guys also get over there like cats at 3 a.m. fighting? No. No. Okay. Maybe that's in Latin America. We definitely get that <laughs> 3 a.m. fighting cats. Like somebody made a meme the other day. Actually, I I always heard that in L.A. when I was growing up. <laughs> I don't think they're fighting, honestly. I hate to burst your bubble, but <laughs> they're doing something more scandalous. No, they're definitely fighting. I know the voice is different. Okay. These ones are definitely fighting. Okay. There was one time like a cat that lives, there's a house maybe, I don't know, 10 feet from my from the window we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And there was a cat and she was absolutely ridiculous. So a couple of times a year. She gets a little bit rambunctious mm. and makes really terrible noises very <laughs> late at night. You're like, girl, no, <laughs> you're better than this. You can ra- rise higher than this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have that many cats here because they all no. died. They had a cat version of COVID-19. <laughs> they all died. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was like 20 years ago, though. So I think their, wow. their population's rising again. But wow. I didn't <laughs> We know do that. have plenty of street dogs, though. And we just love talking about all our street animals, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit already, but what's it been like transitioning back to Honduras? Like, you're going back, quote-unquote, home, but also you became an adult in the U.S., so you kind of like I don't know, maybe have a little bit of both worlds. Yeah. Has it been a big transition moving back to Honduras? Yeah. So again, you know, definitely navigating that still mostly, you know, learning, you know, just a way to communicate because, okay, I'm not, I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but like (laughs) communication, communication, communication. Like when I first came, I would have like arguments with people over silly things. And then I just realized it was just like miscommunication. Like Uh, that was it. And that's also part of what you learn in business school is that 80% of the problems is communication. And then like the other 20% is like you can't come up with great ideas because mm-hmm. you're, you know, in your routine and you don't innovate. But just in general life, communication is already an issue. Right. And then so having to not brush up, but like evolve my Spanish. This is like a Pokemon. It's <laughs> to evolve into a Charizard. Level up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like a Charmeleon. And my English is like, it's like Charizard on, on like XD. Like, you know, Pokemon fans will appreciate the reference. But um, but yeah, I mean, and that, you know, and also like, like the noise was also something getting adjusted to. And then, you know, uh, I live by myself. So I live in a story townhouse by myself. Mm. I don't live with my family anymore. So that's also like different. And like, yeah, so I mean, I lived alone in the US and so, well, like with roommates, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that hasn't been as hard, actually. Like, I've been used to kind of like, you know, being on your own. 
but it's 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 different because now my family's around so I can you know go to them and mm-hmm. hang out with them if I want to but over there you know it's just like you do your own life you know with your friends and families far away so that's been cool like definitely been appreciative of having family around and um, yeah and then I just started a new, a new job yeah so that's also part of the transition so do you have friends there from like when you were growing up are you kind of having to make new friends or yeah. So yes, most of my closest friends right now are from the ones that uh, I grew up with that I went to high school with or that, you know, we became friends at church. Do they say that you're like really different now? I mean, yes, yes. They definitely, you know, like when we talk, sometimes I would just prefer to talk in English with them because that's easier. <laughs> right, <laughs> and so they'd be like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, my, my family too, you know, you pick up different, different things. Like one of the things I have like when this quarantine kicked off, like the first thing I made sure to have is like have two big jars of peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> You're so American. Ah. When I first went and I saw peanut butter, I was like, you guys are weird. Like, peanut butter? Like, why would you eat that? Like, why? <laughs> and then part, it's hard to delete, to, to make that division of like, when is it growth? And when is it just, you know, I, I guess like learning American culture because, <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to cook when I left. Mm. And now I come back and like I have all these other recipes too to like, you know, make like grilled potatoes and mm-hmm. all, like all this stuff. So that's just part of growth. You know, yeah. wherever you are, you're going to learn. You're gonna, you guys are going to learn how to grow, uh, cook Nepalese food and then you can bring that home right to the US. And so, yeah, so it's it's had advantages for the most part. Yeah. You know, you can choose your favorite things from each culture in each world, right? Yes. Absolutely. I love it. Um okay, well, besides peanut butter, what do you miss <laughs> now about the US now that you're back in Honduras? <laughs> uh, I miss the central AC. Ooh. I miss uh, you know, the runs in the park. There's a lot of green space in 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 over there. If you guys have like a yeah. lot of parks where you can go out for runs and then there's also a little bit more sense of security. Like I'm definitely safe like where I am, but because of other people's like secondary stress of them have, having, you know, been mugged at one point in their lives or something like that right. carries over and it's really hard to get rid of that. So uh, probably, you know, that sense of, I don't know, like just be everything's okay and you can go out for runs. Yeah, not having to be nervous or on alert all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, not having to be like alert all the time because that's exhausting at times too. Totally, yeah. I mean, you know, the central AC probably <laughs> is, is a good miss. <laughs> it's just the central AC. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, the friendships. Like if you ask me, like, you know, the friendships. Like I, there's people over there that became like family to me. Mm. You know, a friend's parents, their parents became like my parents over there. You know, friends from, you know, all my stratospheres, they became like brothers or sisters where like literally, you know, hey, I have a flat tire. Can you help me out? And they would come and help you out. And so definitely the friendships, the friendships that you built. That's amazing. So I don't remember if you told us, why did you decide to move back to Honduras? Oh, so here's a little international student class. So when you graduate college, you get one year to work. And after one year to work, you have to go back to your home country. Um, and so what happened is that, you know, after I graduated college, I got that one year to work and I worked. And then I went to, you know, grad school and that extended my student visa. And so as long as you are in grad school, then, in you know, and you're making progress, then you can stay. And then you once you graduate, you also get one more year to go. And so my year was going to be up in January of 2020. And 
so what I did over there is that I tried to, I like had a startup that I was trying to get off the ground. So I was working on that. And the startup is actually for Central America. And so I just decided to come back earlier. And at the time, I wasn't really interested in working for like a big corporation in the US at the time because I had like this startup bug yeah, trying yeah. to be an entrepreneur. And so I also, in the long run, kind of saw myself back in Honduras. But I don't know how long, but definitely for at least for the time being. Mm, okay. Because, you know, like White mentioned, um, being an being an international studies major, like you kind of want to put to practice everything that you learned, mm-hmm. at least that I learned in, in college. And the political situation here is, is, uh, is definitely tense mm. and tough. So I don't know how much of that you can put into practice, but definitely coming back with that knowledge. So like in international studies, there's this thing called brain gain, where like people who've been educated abroad come back to their countries like... Oh, like the opposite of brain drain. Yes. <laughs> Right. Brain drain is what cool. I... Cool. I haven't heard that term. I love it. Yeah. So the US gets a lot of brain gains from, you know, people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so that was always, always also in the back of my mind, you know, like the brain drain of my country if I didn't come back. Yeah. Feeling responsibility for your own place, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we had two fun questions for the <laughs> end, but I think we already answered them. The first was, what food did you miss when you were gone? <laughs> Anafres. You guys got to look them up on, on Google. Anafre. Yes. A-N-A-F-R-E. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Maybe oh, we'll man. try to make it here. <laughs> we don't really have cheese, though. Yeah, we don't really have lard either. I guess we can make our own. It's going to be like... We're going to make gonna our own. To... Are we going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> my friend says she can make it. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe we'll collaborate. We'll get all our friends to make all the ingredients. And our other fun question was... Can we come visit you in Honduras? Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I have three bedrooms. You guys can stay one in each one. Amazing. So fun. I've never been to Honduras. I would love to come, although I really need to brush up on my Spanish before oh, I do that. Yes, please do. That would help <laughs> us communicate a lot better once you come here. Yeah. We can, uh, we can, you know, switch back and forth between languages. Yeah. We can do some translanguaging. It definitely won't be like when we're trying to speak Spanish here and we're like, Hola, like it just switches like automatically to Nepali. Everyone will be like, you idiot. Like, get out of our country. I always know every time like I go back to California for like any length of time, my brain switches over to Spanish, right? And then mm-hmm. I come back to Nepal and I can't remember basic words in Nepali. Yeah. Like all the vegetable names come in Spanish in my mind. And I'm wow. like, uh, verduras. No. Oh, um, <laughs> what is the word in Nepali? Ah, you should tell him about about the worst Spanish mishap you ever had in <laughs> oh Nepal. God. Yes, please. Let's hear it, Meg. Okay. Have I told this story on the podcast before? I think maybe you have, but people should hear it again. Okay. So I was um, I was talking to my maid and I was asking her to cook some chickpeas with salt in them. And I said, sa, which is the Spanish word for salt, right? <laughs> and, and, then I, and then she kind of looked at me weird and I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I mean, noon. That's the Nepali word. Kind of laughing, whatever. So then later in the day, I see my landlady and I tell her the story. I'm like, oh, because she made a mis- She used the wrong word for something uh, when we were speaking English. And I said, oh, yeah, I just did that earlier. Like I used the Spanish word for salt. And she's like, oh, what was it? And I said, salt. And she looked at me and her eyes got so big. What did salt mean? <laughs> and then she didn't know the English word. So she was trying to explain it. And she's like, you know. When you have a baby, and then it comes out after. (laughs) I said placenta. (laughs) 
you just put a little bit of placenta in the chickpeas? That's how we do it in America. Just a little bit of placenta. Wow. <laughs> My maid was so like, she just didn't react at all. Like, she just was like, uh. <laughs> She was probably thinking, where am I going to go get some placenta? (laughs) It's freaking foreigners every day. (laughs) They have weird eating habits. They like their peanut butter. They like their placenta. I don't know. (laughs) So good. That was my epic Spanish. Yep. And now I will never forget that word. (laughs) I have never needed to use it, but I know it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's a few... There's a few words like that that sometimes mean different things, but that mostly in Spanish, it's like regional. So like in the coast, they'll call like sour cream a different name. Like they call it crema, like which means like cream. But in the the city, they call it mantequilla, which is like butter. Mantequilla, that's weird. Yeah. And then you have across countries as well in Spanish speaking countries, like, you know, X word might mean something completely different mm-hmm. in Spain than in here. Or like, in, I think in Uruguay or Paraguay, like this bat word in Honduras means like, that's how you call the little kids oh, in Paraguay. <laughs> exactly. So you're like, what? So if you hear out of context, you'd be like, why is this guy insulting the little kid? Yeah, oh, but for gosh. him, it's just like a little cute name. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah I studied abroad in Chile. Yeah. But I had learned uh, like Mexican and Guatemalan Spanish. <laughs> and in Chile, they a lot of their food words are from like the native peoples there. So they aren't Spanish words. They're like, you know, local words or whatever. Okay. So I had to learn all these new words for like they had a different word for corn, different word for beans, different word for all this stuff. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Fun. Oh my gosh. Maka, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so fun. Yeah, thanks. This has been amazing. No, oh, thank you guys. I really, I must say, I really enjoy you guys bringing perspective because I can't say how many times I'd be like, yup, you know, feel exactly like that. Because, you know, <laughs> once you leave your own sphere of life, there's like not many people who have experienced that. You know, and so you guys have done a terrific job at just communicating and talking about it uh, amongst each, each other, which is, I guess, helps you also process it as a bonus. But that's been really awesome. So I've been really honored to be in this podcast because I've been listening to y'all for like, I don't know, like a year now. Aww. And um, yeah, it's kind of surreal to hear Big's voice <laughs> like actually having a conversation with me. <laughs> And not just talking to White in, like, I don't know, wherever I'm listening in the car or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love getting your Facebook messages being like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you have this in Nepal. I feel like you're in Honduras. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Do you have any last words that you want to say to our listeners or, I don't know, advice? Yeah. Don't rock on life, which rock means Nepalese for stop so don't stop on life i don't know if i said that right but i learned a little i learned that nepalese word in memphis because there was uh, a lot of refugees and um i would walk the kids to their house and so you know you cross the street you have to tell them you know stop so you can see if there's any cars coming so they taught me the word rock rock that's amazing i love it okay well 
I hope you have a good rest of your day, evening. What time is it there? I don't know. 8.52 p.m. We don't don't even know what day it is here. Everything is completely confusing in the world right now. It's fun. It's fun. quarantine. Okay. All right, Maka. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks. Girls. (laughs) Guys. (laughs) Oh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the segment of the week. This week, White's going to talk, and I'm going to listen, and I can't wait. Okay, I know. It's a little bit of high pressure because I feel like now you have the reputation of being like the smart, well-researched one, and I'm like, (laughs) quip, joke, response. Ha <laughs> oh, ha! That's a lot of pressure for me too, because I'm not as fast with the jokes as you. So now I have to be really on, like you gotta prepared be on to make a joke exactly at any moment. Otherwise, I'll have to be like talking and then just be like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" <laughs> <laughs> just respond to your own thing. <laughs> yeah, but you know that would color me in a wrong light too. Like, no. okay, well, anyway, speaking of uh, coloring you as a good person, okay, all right. I'll take it. (laughs) Um, This week, we are talking about habit formation and how it influences your lockdown time. I can't wait. I need some habits. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I realize that for some of you, at least I know in the US, there's some areas that are slowly transitioning back into like some semblance of normal life. So maybe this isn't quite the same advice that it would have been say, 47 days ago when we were all about entering into lockdown and this was new. But here we go. But doesn't it apply anyway also to normal life? We are always forming habits. We always have routines. So even if we don't have routines, we have routines. Take that, listeners. Okay. But now that you're saying that, you have to explain it. Okay. So I just read this book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And I i mean, I can only presume that that's how you actually pronounce his name. <laughs> Duhigg. Should Mr. I, Duhigg. Should I look it up? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fact check us. He's not listening to us. <laughs> anyway, um, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. It was a really interesting book. And he uses a lot of scientific studies to explain how we form habits, what makes up a habit, and how we change our habit. And it was really interesting. So basically, like Big said, we all have habits. And we have habits even when we don't realize that we have habits. So our brain loves habits. Our brain loves to be efficient. So anything that we can do semi-automatically and our brains don't have to make a decision about how to go about doing that, it loves it. It can shut down, relax, get a rum and Coke on the beach. (laughs) Like your brain will enjoy that very much. So what you're saying is it's good to be stuck in a rut sometimes. Absolutely. Mm. As long as you don't call it a rut, (laughs) it's good. Tell me more. (laughs) So for example, when you're driving to work or to your parents' house or something like that, and you leave your house and you remember leaving your house, and then all of a sudden you're pulling up in front of your (laughs) office and you're like, wow, I wasn't aware of any of that actual drive. How do I not kill myself every single day? That's the beauty of habit right there. Like your brain doesn't have to be consciously like, okay, now where do we go? We need to take a right onto this road. And okay, now we need to take a left. You can just get in your car and go. 
So what you're saying is when my mom did that and assigned sentience to the car like a horse saying, it just wants to go home. It knows where to go. She was wrong. It was her brain the whole (laughs) time. (sighs) Crazy. Anyway, so to break down habits, every habit has three aspects to it. So you have a cue, which is something that tells you, aha, this means that I need to actually start the habit. So that could be like, it's seven o'clock in the morning, therefore I get up and I get ready for work. Or I'm hungry, therefore I go to the fridge and find something to eat. It could be emotional, mental, external stress, internal stress, anything like that. And so the cue, in response to the cue, then you go through a routine. So that would be, I'm hungry, therefore The routine is I go to the fridge and I find something to eat. And then the reward is the third aspect of a habit. And the reward is obviously the outcome of the cue and routine. Um, So when you're hungry and you go to the fridge and you eat, then the reward would be that you're not hungry anymore. And that... And all those like internal whatever hormones and chemicals that are like, yay, food. You get like some dopamine being released and all those fun, happy-making hormones. <laughs> mm-hmm. So an important part of habit formation is that once a habit is in your brain, like it changes your actual brain, right? Like you have different neurons that are being formed as a result of that habit being formed. So once you have that habit, you can't just get rid of it. Like it doesn't ever actually go away. What? You can only change a habit. So pretty much like as the author was talking about, like you have maybe the same cue, but you need to change the routine. Like you need to change how your brain responds to that cue. Mm. And then you still have a reward. Mm. So instead of getting a ice cream bar out of the fridge, you get, I don't know. What else? What, a what piece of kale. <laughs> single piece of kale out of the fridge. And the reward is that you haven't eaten something unhealthy. So that is important to note that habits can't actually be extinguished because it means that those old habits and those old routines are still in your brain. It's kind of terrifying. Lying in wait. Don't make bad habits, you guys. <laughs> Don't let them in. Everyone has bad habits is the thing, though. So everyone at home's like, oh, no, what's even the point? But you can replace them with better habits, but... Here's where it comes into why it's applicable to our quarantine time Mm. is that maybe you've formed these good habits. So like, let's say at one point in your life, you know, like you were super lazy and you didn't, you were unemployed or something like that. And so you had a certain, this is what your routine for the day was. And, you know, you'd laid around the house in your boxers and (laughs) ate something that wasn't kale all day long. (laughs) Um, And then you got a job and now you have a good routine. You get up in the morning. You don't really have to think about it. You shower, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, you leave for work. Um, And that's a good and healthy routine, hopefully. But now that you're in lockdown, you don't have those same routines that you're able, like you don't have the same cues. So you don't have the same external stress of saying, oh, 
it's seven o'clock in the morning. Therefore, I need to get up and shower and go to work. Well, and you have probably different rewards too, right? Yeah. Like that's what I've noticed is like I might have the cue or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's time to work. But then I don't have the reward of like someone appreciates that I'm doing work today. Yeah. Like I'm not going to see anyone and they won't know if I work yeah. or not. So then if I know the reward's not coming, then I don't do the exactly. action. Yeah. So maybe you have like kind of the same cue, but you don't have actually the same routine to answer to that cue. Right. And instead, maybe you have the cue of, oh, well, I don't have to go into the office today. Therefore, what's my automatic routine when I don't have to go into the office? Oh, I I lay on my couch in my (laughs) boxers and I watch Netflix all day. You know, like it kind of is like a weekend kind of syndrome. Like, yeah. And it's not because you're like irresponsible. It's because you have the weekend cues Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then your brain just goes into that. Exactly. So not only now are you having to fight that routine that your brain says, oh, we need to be laying on our couch in our boxer shorts. (laughs) This is the routine. And the reward is that I don't have to go to work and I can lay around (laughs) and no one's expecting anything of me, something like that. So we're having to fight that because we do have expectations for those of us who are still working from home. People are expecting us to actually work. So we're fighting our routine and those cues. And beyond that, we're now having to make thousands of tiny decisions where we used to not have to think at all because it was a routine. Our brain shut down. So now we're having to think, okay, how do I be a healthy person? Okay, yes, I still need to get dressed. Okay, but but I'm not leaving my house. No, I'm not leaving my house. Okay, I'm sitting on my couch, but I'm clothed. Okay, okay, this is new. Okay, I'm... Should I sit on the couch or should I sit at the table? Yeah. Or, okay, when should I eat lunch? I could eat at 12, but actually I'm hungry now. So should mm-hmm. I eat earlier or should I still wait? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> so we really do get decision fatigue. We're f- trying to form a new habit. Right. Well, tons of new habits. Tons like of new a habit. day's worth of new habits, yeah. right? So we're kind of starting from scratch with all of this. So it makes sense that everyone was like, I'm working from home, but like, I'm weirdly exhausted. Like, I don't know why I'm so stressed out about this. Your brain is actually doing way more work than normal. Yeah. Wow. Habit formation is really hard. Uh, So what do we do? Why this like feels hopeless. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. This is why it's hard. I mean, honestly, just accepting that it's hard, I think, is weirdly encouraging in itself. Like, you're not deficient because you're struggling to form new habits. Your brain is working overtime, and that's okay to recognize that. Um, Okay, but listen, I hate recognizing that. So (laughs) the next thing I want to recognize is this is hard, and how do I, like, what skills or tools can I use to make it better? Hmm, that's a good question. Oh, why? Plan for? <laughs> Let's see. What can we do about this? Well, I guess we could say this. So like I said before, you can't just extinguish a bad habit. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be there, right? So what he recommends in the book is that you use the same cue, but then you exchange the routine. So it feels like the first step would be to identify the cue, mm-hmm. right? Identify your pattern that you're yeah. in. Recognize yeah, exactly. here's what the cue is. Here's what the routine is. Here's what the reward is. Mm -hmm. And then try to change the routine and the reward. Yeah. But 
Yeah. So you're going to need to recognize that there is a cue and a routine and a reward. Like there's always a reason that you're, you decided to do something in the first place. Like mm. there is a reward for you going to the fridge. Right. And there's a cue for you wanting to go to the fridge. So yeah, recognizing what the cue is in the first place and then changing the routine. So saying, okay, well, I'm hungry. I'm never going to not be hungry. Mm-hmm. I need to actually recognize this and do something about it. Um, And then changing the routine to say, well, instead of getting an ice cream bar, I'm going to have healthy prepared meals in the fridge. Mm -hmm. And a reward is that I feel good and my stomach doesn't bloat up every (laughs) single day. Too personal? Oh. (laughs) Actually, as you're talking about this, I'm realizing that I kind of did that with my phone. Mm. Because I feel like I'm on my... I already felt like I was on my phone too much. Mm -hmm. And now being home all the time, it's so easy to just let your whole day get wasted away on your phone. So I was like, okay, every time I reach for my phone, I'm going to ask myself, is this what I need to do right now? Or like, Mm -hmm. does this... Do I really want to do this Mm -hmm. right now? And then sometimes I still pick up my phone and look at it. And sometimes I go, hmm, no. I don't actually. (laughs) And then I make my own reward by congratulating myself. Yeah. (laughs) I actually learned this from a different habit formation person Mm -hmm. that I heard interviewed. But he basically said, like, make the smallest goal, like one push up. Like, you can definitely do that, right? And then if you want to go beyond that, you can, but just have the goal be really low Mm -hmm. and then super celebrate it. Like, (laughs) yes, I did one push up. I'm amazing. (laughs) That's the reward, right? Like he didn't say it in these terms, but I'm recognizing that. Yeah. And that's why that's successful. If you feel really good about yourself when you do the routine, then it's going to start replacing your old routine. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So don't try to overhaul everything at once. Yeah. That's another good (laughs) A good tip. Good piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pick one or two things that you're going to work on. And like just because you're working from home does not mean that you suddenly need to start working at seven o'clock like you would normally. And also you need to have a really amazing home workout routine and you need to be eating healthy. Like start slow. Like you said, big, like celebrate small things, Mm -hmm. recognize why you're making certain decisions. Like, why are you laying on the couch instead of working? Like, what's the reward for that? Instead of saying, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Look at it and say, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And could I do differently? Yeah. Good. And this is applicable for when we start phasing back in and you're like, but I've had a new routine that I've formed with working from home and now I have to go back out with like people again? (laughs) How do I do that? Well, I feel like the encouraging thing though is that, like you said, the routines never go away. Yeah. So you'll be like readjusting to something that you already have stored in the back of your brain, right? Yeah. Just got to find those old routines and get back in them. Yeah. You can do it. Back in the groove. Yeah. Neural pathways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for sharing that way. Yeah. It's super interesting. Good luck out there, friends. Let us know how your habit formations go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Okay, well, thanks, you guys. We're so glad that listening to this podcast is a habit for you. hey Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. We have a website now. Check that out. Yeah, bigandwhitepodcast.com. And you can find us on Patreon if you appreciate our work. Throw us a buck or two. Yeah. Or whatever your local currency is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. 
Okay. Okay. I'm uh, going to hang up. Okay. I'll, I'll hang up. Great. I'm going to hang up now. Okay. 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 Hello? Hello? Oh.